A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them, and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. There's a book called A Father's Legacy, and the whole idea behind the book is that you spend time interviewing your father so that you can hear some of the stories of his life. And I've been doing this with my, my great-uncle Jim, who's actually my grandfather's brother. And since all my grandparents have died, he is the closest thing I have to grandfather now. And it's been a great privilege to hear him tell some of the stories that I've never heard before, that my family's never heard before. Some of the stories definitely make me laugh, and some have made me cry. And he's finally opened up and began telling some of the stories from the war. My Uncle Jim and my grandfather both served in World War II, but neither of them ever talked about it. And I found out that he was shot in the leg and received a Purple Heart. Coincidentally, I also found out that he has had four complete knee replacements over the years. Now, my father, for many years, 15 if I remember correctly, had put off his knee replacement. And, and I've heard it said by many people that it's the most painful surgery, the most difficult recovery there is. And some people say, you better get them both done at the same time because if you don't, you won't go back for the other one. As I watched my father over the years, as his knee began to decay and he began to limp around more and miss out on activities and wince in pain from time to time. And I remember one time when we actually had to, his knee went out and he fell in the backyard. So we had to actually pick him up and carry him to the car and take him to the hospital. And he was finally mustering up the courage to look into getting his knee replaced. So he figured he'd go to the expert, right? My Uncle Jim. And he asked my Uncle Jim, which was worse, his knee surgery or getting shot in the leg in the war? And my Uncle Jim responded without hesitation and in all seriousness. Knee surgery was by far the worst. I'd, get take, I'd, I'd take getting shot in the leg any time over another knee surgery. Needless to say, this didn't give my dad a lot of insurance to go ahead with his uh, surgery, but finally he did. And the pain was great. And uh, just as my Uncle Jim had described, the recovery was long and brutal and painful. But my dad, being the dedicated German that he is, he did his therapy faithfully, and, and today he gets around fine. Just this past fall, I have this beautiful picture of him. They were playing in the leaves um, in the backyard, so my dad had raked this big leaves, and it was him and my three nieces and my nephew, and not only were the, the, three, the four of them jumping in the leaves, but my father was jumping in the leaves and picking the leaves up and throwing them over their head, and he was tumbling in the leaf pile with them, and I thought, wow, you know, just the ability that he's able to do this again after this knee surgery. And he doesn't regret having the surgery. 
you know, now he's able, the pain is gone, and he's able to get around once more. And I've, I've heard this said numerous times from people. Father, it was painful, but I don't regret doing it. In the first reading, we hear from the prophet Isaiah, Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong. Fear not. The truth is we all have weaknesses. If not physical, then, then mental or emotional or developmental or spiritual or all the above. Be strong. Fear not. You see, weaknesses are not to be feared, but actually embraced, bound, healed. St. James reminds us, Take as an example of hardship and patience, brothers and sisters, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, this hardship and patience that comes through a healing of a wound. The reality is that we're all broken in some way. You know, we all have need of healing and strengthening and firming. And it's often during the suffering, during the waiting, during the therapy, during the setbacks, it's often during these times of difficulty that the true healing comes. St. Ignatius is one of the greatest teachers in prayer. He was a mystic and he devoted his entire life to, to the spiritual life. And, you know, the motto that he came up with for the Jesuits was for the greater glory of God. You know, that anything that he did was always to be for the greater glory of God. And we can thank him in part for our current Holy Father, Pope Francis, because he's a Jesuit. Ignatius left us with some of the greatest gifts for prayer and discernment. The spiritual exercises, the rules for discernment, the examination of consciousness, and the prayer of contemplation where he teaches us this deep, intimate, and profound way of using our imagination to enter into scripture and really experience the life of Christ. We can actually experience being there with Jesus and encounter him in a very real and, and intimate way. St. Ignatius was not always a religious man, though. In fact, before his conversion, he was actually pretty vain, egotistical, and he was a downright womanizer. He wanted to go off and be a war hero, not because he really cared about serving his country or anything like that. It was for him another opportunity to get the ladies. He really was um, a ladies' man. He, he was always after the women. So not only that, but Ignatius was extremely charismatic, he was attractive, and he was passionate about everything that he was doing. It was him that kept the army fighting even when they were losing. And it, was, it wasn't until the, the, the final battle where Ignatius, uh, a cannonball fired, came across the valley, shot Igna hit Ignatius in the legs, and took him out. And at that point, they finally surrendered. Now, Ignatius had gone through, he, he had his knees literally broken. And this was uh, the time before there was any anesthesia. So surgeries were extremely serious, and there was a high mortality rate. So... Ignatius went into surgery, and after he had his knee surgery and they repaired the damage, he discovered that the doctors has, had actually kind of done a poor job. They shortened one of his legs, and, and he was walking with a limp, and there was a bone protruding from his leg, and it, it looked unsightly. And he, he nearly died during the surgery, and his leg was not set right. So Ignatius wanted to go back and have it reset because he didn't want to have to walk with a limp and he didn't want his leg to look ugly. So he went back under the surgery again without anesthesia, went through all the pain, almost died, and came through surgery and discovered he still had a limp. So what did Ignatius do? The vain man, he went back again for a third surgery. He had three surgeries, all without anesthesia, nearly dying. He ended up pulling through, but his recovery would be long. He spent months in recovery and being laid up in bed, he was bored out of his mind. 
So he would often ask his brother for war novels and books about heroes. And uh, he would read all these until he finally ran out of them. And he found that as he read these war novels, he was excited, you know. And uh, But when he ran, he, he, he ran out of them, he was bored again. And so his brother said to him, basically, look, this is all I got left. I got the life of Christ and the lives of the saints. Ignatius was so bored and desperate that he read them. And he discovered something very interesting. When he read the war stories about heroes and conquests and battle, he found that they excited him. But after he put the book down, his heart was, his, his heart was heavy and the excitement left him. However, when he read the book of the life of Christ, and he, when he read about the lives of the saints, he was not only ex inspired and excited when he read it, but even after he put the book down, his heart remained lifted. He realized that, that, that something was continuing to happen in him. There was an increase of faith, of hope, and of love. He imagined himself, after reading the lives of the saints, doing these things that St. Francis did and, and many of the other, other great saints. And he thought to himself, Suppose I could do this. You know, suppose I could become a saint. And so this seemingly tragic event in the life of St. Ignatius led to his conversion and changed his life for the good and all of us forever because of it. And this profound conversion happened during his suffering, during his recovery, during his unbearable time of boredom laying in a hospital bed. The truth is, it's often for us, it's often in and through the difficult times in our lives that we discover true joy. Knee surgery may, in fact, be a very painful surgery and the recovery seems daunting, but it's all worth it if we can have stronger knees and firmer hearts. St. Paul encourages us, you too must be patient. Make your hearts firm because the coming of the Lord is at hand. So maybe you're going you know, through some suffering right now in your life. It may be physical, maybe a back pain or knee pain or difficulty getting around. It may be the difficulty of just getting old and all the aches and pains that come with that. Maybe you're experiencing emotional suffering, you know, depression during this time of darkness and winter and anxiety or, or loneliness or difficulty sleeping or despair. It may be a spiritual suffering a desolation or a dark night. It may be a suffering of the loss of a loved one or the death of a parent or spouse or a child or tension in your family or divorce or a child who's been separated from the family. It might even be suffering a disappointment or a loss of a job or a friend who suddenly leaves you out and you feel alone or some other kind of experience of rejection or isolation or setback. Whatever you are going through right now is holy ground. Why? Because the Lord does hear the cry of the poor. Be strong. Fear not. God is working in this, and so be patient. Make your hearts firm, because this moment of brokenness can actually be your conversion. This part of you that was so weak and so feeble can become strong and resilient. We celebrate and rejoice on this God Aute Sunday because the Lord is so near. The suffering will not last as long as you think it will. The suffering is actually part of your conversion and a strengthening of your faith, of your hope, of your love. And like my father who can now play and jump in the leaves again and like Ignatius who went on to be one of the greatest spiritual leaders, when you make it through this suffering right now in your life, the pain will be gone. Your weakness will be strengthened and the joy will return.
and you may even discover that you have met God in this experience. So we too, like John the Baptist, may question, you know, in difficult times, are you the one who is to come, Lord, or should we look for another? You know, when we're looking for that healing. And Jesus says to the crowds, he says, you go and tell John. Tell him what you hear and what you see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. We wear rose today. This third Sunday of Advent, we light that pink candle because it's Gaudaute Sunday. We rejoice because the sign of the end, the end is so near. The time of healing is so close. The time of, of recovery is coming to an end. Christ is coming into our lives, into our hearts, into our world. And Christ, his coming is sooner than you think. You will experience his healing. You will experience his peace, his goodness, and his joy. And we can rejoice because things will get better. And they will be sooner than you think. So rejoice. And I have no better way than to end this homily with a classic song from the 70s, Ooh Child. Ooh child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh child, things will get brighter. With me. Things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Things are gonna get easier. Ooh, 
So rejoice this God I got out to Sunday because things are going to get a, li a little easier. Things are going to get a little bit brighter.